Hello and welcome to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. I'm John Stillman alongside Joel Johnson, Certified Financial Planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. We're going to play a little game today, Joel. It's called Investment or Not. So it seems like a lot of people justify a purchase by calling it an investment, even though that purchase really shouldn't be considered an investment. So I'm going to give you a statement. You tell us you know, a time you've seen somebody make a similar comment and whether you consider that spending of money to actually be an investment or not. Okay. So how about this? I have a long commute to work and I need a reliable vehicle. So I decided it's a good investment to spend more on a nice car. So I think we need to define the value of an investment. Investment, I guess, can be looked at two two ways. One is it's an asset that's that um, either appreciates in value or hold its, holds its value, right? The Chinese are buying properties here in America. They don't expect those properties to go up in value or they don't care if they do or not. They want a store of their wealth and get it outside of Chinese currency or, or many other foreign nations are doing it. This is not about China. If I buy a car, it goes down in value. If I buy a new car, it goes down in value immediately uh, when they register it. And uh, it's just the only way a car could be an investment is to get you to a job where you're getting a rate of return on your work. And if you absolutely need to get to the job, then I guess a car would be, you know, making – I guess it would be an investment. But that doesn't mean you have to buy a new car. You know, a $500 car or a $1,000 car will get somebody to work. So we have to be truthful. Cars are not usually good investments at all unless they're collectibles. And that's probably a business that most of our listeners do not want to be in. Right. Okay. How about this one? My wife always nags me about the boxes of old baseball cards that I keep in the attic, but I have to keep reminding her that they're an investment. Investment or not, Joel? (laughs) Not an investment for me. Um, You know, again, we're getting into the world of collectibles here, right? And collectibles can move in and out of favor very, very quickly. Um, What I do know is kids aren't collecting baseball cards anymore, so at least not, not any of the kids that I know. So I don't think that's an investment. I heard somebody say once, it's only an investment if you're willing to sell it. And so often with the baseball cards, well, would you ever sell them? Oh, no, never. Okay. Well, yeah, and I can't think of the last time, you know, they, they used to have these card shows where people would get together and swap. I don't, I don't know if they even have those anymore. So I would say as an investment goes, don't fool yourself. Baseball cards are not, at least they're not a reliable investment you can turn into income. Beanie Babies, though, different story. Those were... Uh those were all the rage in the 90s. Really worked out well for people who loaded up on Beanie Babies. Yep. And I remember when you couldn't get them. Uh, in fact, some of the stores that sold them would only let you buy two or three. Now, this is going way back, right? This is 1997 or so. But you remember Pokemon cards, John? Yep. Remember Pokemon? So my son, my son is now 30. So Pokemon cards were all the rage back when he was a youngster, maybe eight or nine years old. And he bought a ton of those things. And then all of a sudden, the market just dropped out. Um, So yeah, let's be real careful about any kind of game type things as investments. All right. How about this? We're putting in a screened in porch. It'll cost a little more than we expected, but it's a good investment in our home. Yeah, good luck with that. Good. (laughs) So I, I like to – and it's, it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with somebody about this the other day. You know, a home is something where – for instance, when I was younger, we lived in Southern California. My dad had moved us out there from Minneapolis. And within the space of about five years, 
our home tripled in value. Um, and there was a while there where somebody was saying, hey, if we buy property in California, it just can't go down. It's just going to keep going up like that. And of course, we all learned numerous times that that just doesn't happen. And right now, the home I live in, we've enjoyed the home we live in, but it hasn't gone up in value at all since we bought it in 2004. And so I think we need to be real careful about, you know, what is a home? It's somewhere to live. You hope that it maintains its value and goes up a little bit. But we also know that you just don't get the money back that you put into a home. Now, I know some of the real estate experts out there, if if you're listening to me, you're saying, well, there's certain parts of the home where if you can upgrade it, you know, you'll get your money back. Or when we're going to sell a home, if we stage it properly. Uh, But again, that's not what most people think of when they think of putting money into their home. And if people are under the illusion that, hey, I'm going to put in a screened-in porch, or I'm going to redo the driveway, or I'm going to put in a swimming pool, rarely do you get that money back. So let's be real. You have to live somewhere. Might as well enjoy where you live. And if you can afford it, build that screened-in porch. All right. We're playing investment or not. We give Joel a statement. He tells us if it's actually an investment or just an excuse to spend money. How about this, Joel? The company is doing well as it is, but I think we can grow a lot faster by hiring this additional person. So we've decided to make that investment. Investment or not, hiring a new person. That's an investment. Um, A a company investing in people, um, especially if they need talent, and that talent can come in and make a significant increase to the company, that is absolutely an investment. In fact, for most business owners the best investment they have is investing in their business. And this is why you'll see a business owner that starts a business that's fairly comfortable with risk starting a business, their investment portfolio will be conservative. Many business owners feel like, hey, we're taking enough risk on the business. We've borrowed to build this business. Um, We are going to be real conservative with our investments. Look for a reasonable rate of return on the investments because if the business works out, their rate of return on the business is absolutely huge. All right. How about this one? So we just found a piece of land in the mountains that's for sale at what seems to be a really good price. We might buy it and eventually build on it, or maybe we'll just hold on to it and then sell it as an investment. Investment or not, buying this lot that seems to be a good deal. That could certainly be an investment. Absolutely. You know, if you have the data to know that it's it's at least going to hold its value. And this is how I like to look at real estate personally. Um, you know, we have a home, we're looking at buying um, a second home that would be down near the shore here. I'm happy because I'm set financially with my other investments. Um, you know, obviously I own a majority piece of this business, but even without this business, we've saved, Wendy and I have just saved and saved and saved. So we have a good chunk of money set aside. So when I look at buying a home, I look at it as I just want it to hold its value. We're going to enjoy it and I want it to hold its value. Well, in the case of buying this piece of land up in the mountains, I think, you know, if you bought it, whether you build on it or not or sell it at a later date, you know, if it holds its value or maybe even appreciates at the rate of inflation, that's not bad because you're putting money in something that is not tied to the stock market, it's not tied to bonds, and you don't have to actively manage it as real estate. But you want to be careful because usually there are experts out there that do nothing but real estate, and if they're if they've passed on that, there might be a reason they've passed on it. So just go into it with eyes wide open and, um, you know, have, have a good time. Build, buy that lot and maybe you build your uh, dream home on it someday. All right. Last one for you, Joel. Investment or not? This stock seems to be rising quickly. I'm investing in 100 shares so I can hopefully make a quick buck and then sell it later this year to pay for a nice vacation. Investment or not? That's not an investment. Uh, that's a speculation. 
and you might be right. You might make a lot of money on that stock if you buy it today. Um, you're buying momentum. What that means in the investment business is it's going up, and we think it'll continue to go up. So you're buying the stock on the way up as it has momentum. But that can turn on you very quickly. So again, an investment, I like the way Warren Buffett thinks about it. You know, when you buy a stock, you're buying a piece of a business. And the business will go through cycles. The economy will go through cycles. Um, there's supply and demand issues. Right now, retail businesses are hurting because there's no demand. But you might want to own that business over the next 50 years. So again, an investment is longer term. Buying something, expecting it to go up over a three-month or a six-month period, that's speculation. It may work out and it may not, but let's not call it an investment. Most of the time, in order for us to make an actual recommendation to somebody, in fact, all of the time, we need to see, we need to know, we need to have a feel for their financial picture. Um, but many times, if somebody just calls with a quick question, we can answer that question. For most people to get the most value from having a conversation with us, we really need to have a deep conversation, not totally, totally in-depth, not to the point where you become uncomfortable, but a conversation regarding your financial picture, your goals, your fears, your dreams, uh, and we need to get a picture of your finances before we answer direct questions. So again, when people come in for that money map retirement review, we get a picture of their situation. The process is really simple. The first meeting is just a conversation. We get to know you. You get to know us. If you feel comfortable with us, then we'll do a little research. We won't charge for it. We'll do an analysis of your situation and make some recommendations. You come back. You go for that second meeting. If you want to become clients of ours, and if you feel like there's a good fit, and we feel like there's a good fit, we've got to feel that way too, then we can move forward. If we don't feel like there's a good fit or you don't feel like there's a good fit, no problem. You get to take the analysis home. So I would just give us a call if you have specific questions or if you want the full Money Map Retirement Review. Give us a call. We'll set up a time for you to get together with us. It's a very low-pressure meeting. We're just going to have a cup of coffee and talk, and then we'll help you in any way we can. And what I will tell you is this. I know the appointment will be of value to you. Um, you are going to spend 30 years unemployed in retirement, maybe 40 years unemployed in retirement. And our goal is to eliminate the fear from your life going forward, to give you confidence in what lies ahead. So give us a buzz. Let's set up a time. 1-800-705-1232. You can also text your first and last name to that number, 1-800-705-1232. And we'll be happy and we count it an honor to have a conversation with you. Set up a time to come on in. 1-800-705-1232. Reach out right now. While it's on your mind, as Joel said, you can call or text, whichever's easiest. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800-705-1232. When you come in for a visit, you'll get one of Joel's books. You pick which of his many books is the best fit for you. Most importantly, you'll get that Money Map Retirement Review that comes with a lot of wisdom and a lot of analysis about your situation. 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Joel is a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Joel, we're going to devote quite a bit of time to the mailbag today. We have a pile of questions for you that have come in, so we'll see how many we can get through before the end of the show. Let's start with Dwayne. Dwayne says, it seems that all of the experts I hear say that you should work until 70 and then start your Social Security. 
I'm only 57 and I can't imagine working another 13 years. How important is this notion of working until 70? Well, it depends, again, on your financial situation, Dwayne. Maybe you can retire at age 55. Maybe you can retire at age 60. Maybe you can retire at age 65. In order to do this, we need to have a better picture of your other assets. And then what kind of income do you need in retirement? This is why we do this income analysis that you've heard me talk about many times in the past which is we'll sit down and not just look at Social Security. See, here's the big mistake people make. They look at Social Security in a silo. They make it a separate decision from the rest of their financial life. I want you to look at Social Security as an asset, as an account. The way the account works, it'll produce income, guaranteed as long as you live. Where does that fit in with the rest of your situation? If you don't want to work till 70, we don't want you to have to work till age 70. Now, you may retire earlier than 70 and wait till 70 to take Social Security, or you might take Social Security early the day you retire and leave the other assets that you have, the other savings that you have alone. So come on in. Let's have a conversation. Dwayne, we'll be glad to help you. Just give that 1-800 number a call, 800-705-1232. We get a ton of questions on Social Security, and it's one of the biggest areas that people make mistakes in that can cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars. So get that analysis that we can do for you. All right. How about Ron, who says a home in our neighborhood was recently purchased for $350,000 and then sold less than a year later for $500,000. My understanding is that they renovated the kitchen and tore down a couple of walls before flipping it. So I'm considering refinancing my home and taking out enough cash to redo our kitchen. Good move? You know, I would say it's a good move if you really want the new kitchen. Um, I think it's important that most people keep where they live separate from where they're making money. And I think where you live, enjoy where you live. If you want to invest in that kitchen and and remodel the house and you have a reasonable expectation that you'll get that money back someday, so maybe the value of your home increases, then that's great. You live in that home. Um, If you are trying to do that as your moneymaker, my suggestion would be do it separate. Do it with a place you don't live in. You know, where, where you live you get emotionally attached. And once you get emotionally attached to an investment, it's very hard to act properly with that investment. So those people buying that home, renovating it, increasing the value for the most part, usually they're not living in that home. That is their work. That is what they do. Very interesting and good perspective on that. How about Kim who says, I've interviewed seven different financial advisors. All of them have aspects that I like, but not a single one seems perfect to me. Should I keep interviewing more folks? Or am I being too picky? Um, If I can speak honestly, I think you're being too picky. Um, It's unlikely that you've talked to seven people and none of them will do a good job. Um, Trying to find the perfect person, I'm not sure what that means. What you want is to find somebody that you believe sincerely has your best interests at heart, is completely transparent, that you understand how they make money, you understand what their incentives are, and you know you understand that they work with people like you. Um, but every financial advisor is going to make a mistake sometime over the course of a 10 or 20 year relationship. We're just looking to put you in a position where you are better off working with us than you would be either doing everything yourself or working with someone else. So I would go back, maybe you get some recommendations and referrals, but consider those seven people you've interviewed. And unless they're in type, some type of position where they're just selling product, if they really are fiduciaries, 
maybe have a second meeting, but um, make sure that your expectations aren't false. A financial advisor is going to pick a stock or a fund that goes down from time to time. They're going to put you in an investment that doesn't always work out. That's why we build portfolios. They call it a portfolio for a reason. What they really need to know is where you are trying to go so that they can put together a plan for you to get there. And most people, they look at their financial advisory, not most people, but some people look at that financial advisory relationship like the advisor is supposed to know exactly where the market's going to go and they shouldn't make any mistakes ever and so on and so forth. And that's just not what it is. You want somebody that is doing the absolute best job in your best interest that they can, that they're honest, that they're transparent, and you need to feel like they understand you. Breaking news. Joel just admitted that he doesn't know where the market is going to go next. I hope that's not earth-shaking to anybody. If people knew where the market was going to go next. If people in the investment business knew where the market was going to go next, the market would already be there. <laughs> right. Because the market is a pricing mechanism for expectations. So this whole notion that, oh, the market went down, didn't you know it was going to go down? Or, or why didn't you know the market was going to go up? Again, the market is a representation of expectations. So most people, three months ago, did not know exactly where the market was going to be. They expected it to be somewhere, but you see just recently the big money was wrong. People don't know, and that's why it's so important that you don't time the market, but that you allocate your portfolio in a way where you have the best probable outcome of meeting all your goals. Very well said. This question from James says, I have a life insurance policy that I've had for many years. And I was able to stop paying premiums more than a decade ago while still keeping the policy in place. But I just got a letter that I need to start paying again to keep the policy. What happened? Whoops. Um, and this could be a bigger problem than you think it is. So what happened was when you stop paying premiums on a policy where premiums are due um, over a long period of time, you are relying on the earnings of the cash value and the dividends of the company, if it's a mutual company, to keep up with the increased insurance costs. Think, think of it this way. Pretend you have a bucket of water and there's a little hole in the bottom of it. And that is the amount of money or that's the amount of water that represents the risk to the insurance company that you will die. So a little bit of water comes out the bottom of that bucket each year. On the top of the bucket, you can either put more water in via Paney Premium or the water that's already in there needs to grow from interest, okay? So the water's earning interest, let's pretend. As long as that water earns enough interest that it doesn't empty out of the bucket, you still got your insurance policy. But if you're not earning any interest and the water's still dripping out of the bottom, sooner or later the water is going to flow out of the bucket and you're not going to have any water. That's how an insurance policy works. And so when you stop paying premiums, I have four or five policies that I've stopped paying premiums on, but I've got to monitor them every year to make sure that cash value is growing every year, that's not shrinking. So this is what happened. The earnings on the cash value were not enough to keep up with the cost of insurance that's coming out of the policy. And now not only do you probably owe premiums this year, but you might own more next year and more the next year and more the next year. So you've really got to get with an expert and figure out what's happening with this policy. Do you need to do a rescue on this policy? Should you exchange it for something else? Do you even still need the insurance? If you cash the policy in, is there a taxable event? That can be a problem. 
So life insurance is a little more complicated than most people realize it is, and you want to make sure you're talking to an expert. We can help you. Um, I have a number of life insurance clients, typically very wealthy people. They like owning life insurance as an asset, um, but I've also spent a ton of time understanding exactly how policies work, and I'm an owner of a number of policies, including term insurance, whole life insurance, number of different types of policies. All right. How about Simon? Simon says, I have whiplash from watching the market for the last few months. What can I invest in that won't be so volatile? Uh, cash, treasury bonds. Um, it's tough. I mean, the market is always going to be volatile. It's just the extent of the volatility. And again, here's where we want to look at what is an investment. Um, if we are looking at three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, then we want to invest. If we're looking to use money in the very short term, shouldn't be exposed to the market. And so, you know, Simon, if you really don't like any volatility at all, we should probably look at fixed income type funds, maybe certain types of insurance products. So you're not going to hit a home run, but you're going to maintain your principal and many times uh, get a reasonable rate of return. And that's if the investments are, are chosen properly and there's some guarantees in there. But, you know, if the market is bothering you, not to the point where you're having a good time watching it and you think it's kind of interesting, where it's really, really bothering you, can't sleep at night, you know, it's time to get a fresh start to do what I call a reset and make sure that you're allocated in a way where you can sleep at night. An investment portfolio doesn't do you any good, no matter how much it goes up, if you can't stick with it. What blows people up is not having a plan that they can stick with, thinking they can take the market risk or the market volatility, I should say, and then fear takes over and they get out at the wrong time, which is what a lot of people did earlier this year. So it's important to have an investment portfolio, and Simon, you're talking about this whiplash that you're getting, where you have some of the money that's that's not subject to that. So you can hang in there with the money that is going up and down like crazy. And some people, they just think, oh, the market's done well. My fund has done well. I'm going to put all my money into this one fund. And inevitably, they do that, and all of a sudden, things fall apart. And then they switch again, and then they switch again, and they just hurt themselves over a long period of time. What's the saying? Um, buy high, sell low, and repeat until broke. And that's what most people do. So be careful, Simon. Make sure you have a plan. Well, bottom line is, Joel, if you don't have a plan, no time like the present to get it in place. What do folks need to do to make that happen? Well, we do a three-step process. And again, what you should do, give us a call. We want to help you. We've helped thousands of families in the Northeast. Um, We've been really blessed as a firm. We've got a number of offices all over the place. Um, But the goal we have is to eliminate the fear from your financial life, the uncertainty. That is our goal. And so the three-step process is this, and we call it our money map. First of all, we want to do an income analysis. Tell us how much money you want to spend every month, whether you're already retired or whether you're getting close to retirement. We'll factor in inflation. We'll take all the investments that you already have. If you're still saving for retirement, we'll factor that in and give you a nice, simple report that will tell you if your expectations are out of line or if with a reasonable rate of return, you can have that kind of income throughout your retirement. So that's part one, that income analysis. Part two is let's do a stress test on your portfolio. After we find out if you're going to be okay and what rate of return you need to be okay, let's do a stress test on your portfolio. Just the other morning, I was looking at a client. Actually, they weren't a client yet. They're going to become a client. Um, We're going through an estate planning process, and we're stress testing their portfolio. And we have a nice number system that quantifies 100 as super high risk and 1 as very low risk. And they were conservative people, and yet their portfolio was showing up as a 72. They probably should be around a 50 or a 55. Everybody understands those numbers, and everybody needs to get their scorecard on their particular numbers. So we'll do that for you. So again, income analysis part one. 
part two stress test, and then we put it all together on one page. That's why we, why we call it the money map. So give us a call. Get that. Folks, we are in a very interesting time. You need to take advantage of what's going on right now to either fix your situation or to optimize the future. So give us a call. We'll do that for you. There's no obligation, no charge unless you become a client. There's no pressure to become a client, but you will get value from this. So call one 800 705 Once again, one 800 705 one, two, three, two. When you come in, you'll also get a copy of my newest book, The People's Retirement Handbook. Very, very timely for what's going on right now. So call 1-800-705-1232 and we'll get to know you and provide that service for you. It's really easy to put it off, but the first step is just simply picking up the phone, either call or text, whatever is easiest for you. I promise you it's not that hard a process, not going to be that troublesome for you to get a plan in place. You just need to get the ball rolling and the team at Johnson Brunetti can take care of the rest. No cost, no obligation to come in for that Money Map Retirement Review. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800-705-1232. No cost, no obligation. Call now. 800 705 one, two, three, two. This has been Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk with you next week, same time, same place. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.